Are we back? Are we live? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, there we go. There okay. we go. Let's uh, round three. Let's right. try this again. <laughs> try it again. So, like I, I've been mentioning to you, uh, I think we're going to open a new uh, segment called Chef's Meal. Okay. You know, like, because even in our restaurants, like, at least at the building that we're in, when, when I have a moment, I'll go into our dry storage and pull up one of the, uh, like, the milk crates and just eat it right there for me. Like, if I have, like, some kind of food or some snack to just kind of go about my day. Okay. So, kind of the same purpose. Uh, we're just kind of banter. And we call it chess meal because that's our pretty much our only time to kind of reflect and get ready for the shift, you know? Yeah, no, I completely understand. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, uh, this first topic is called Chef. But before we all go, welcome to the pod, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, Sean Moses. Hey, hey. feel uh, very honored to you know finally make my debut on your podcast <laughs> it's a long time coming man i've been listening for for a second now so it's uh it's cool to be here thank you for having me where the, um the applause comes in the little sound bite <laughs> i'm virtually uh taking a bow <laughs> hey hey there you go you know what i'm saying okay so let's do this so being a chef well, first off, um, if you don't mind me asking, how long have you been in a bit? So, um, wow, uh, this coming April will actually make six years from having no culinary experience um, to, you know, being the sous chef of uh, a restaurant that pulled in um, somewhere between uh, seven and a half and nine million dollars uh, annually. So it's a uh, it's been an interesting journey that started with incredibly uh, humble beginnings, and uh, I guess I'm here. Yeah. Well, you guys did seven mil last year for real. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying. You know, some 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 in, some in that uh, neighborhood. You know, a little a little bit more, a little less. You know, kind of got to keep the secret sauce a little bit of a secret, but somewhere in that range. We did. We only did three, two, homie. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess we're, we're right down the road, but you know, that makes for, um, you know, a, a slightly different uh, marketplace atmosphere. I mean, I know where your restaurant is located. There's a lot more competition, um, and mm -hmm. um, in the complex in which we're located, some of the the stalwart restaurants have actually like kind of closed up. So. That made for uh, significantly busier lunches, you know, uh, slightly busier dinners and busier holidays all around. And uh, that was definitely reflected in the revenue that came in this year. Got you. Wow. Well, you so you guys are typically pretty much almost twice the busy of what I do in the restaurant. But nonetheless, yeah, this restaurant together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, give me like a give me like a preview, uh, a day in the life of Sean, man. All right, a day in the life of. I mean, wh where are we starting? Are we starting from uh, uh, leaving my home and getting getting to the restaurant, or I mean, do you want like when I'm when I when I physically walk into the building? Yeah, maybe like when you physically walk into the building. If you want to go like maybe a day today, if not, or maybe just give me like a like a Saturday shift. Like, what do you do? Okay. Hmm. Well. Saturday shifts, well, I would say, would kind of be out of the norm 
um, because uh, Saturdays are the one of the few days where I kind of work like a mid-shift. And um, obviously it's the busiest day of the week for us. And typically that means we have the most staff on management and, um, uh, you know, cooks in front of the house people as well. So a Saturday would be a little different. So I'll start with like a normal day during the week. So typically during the week, I do like the closing shifts. So um, our uh, executive chef is usually there in the mornings. And um, pretty much when I get there, uh, generally between two and three o'clock, the first thing I like to do is like, I try to sit down with him and uh, kind of pick his brain and try uh, to talk about and discuss you know the objectives for that day or maybe for the week or if I had any concerns or any plans uh, you know for myself about things that might have happened in the previous day or in the previous days you know depending on how our days off are structured we kind of game plan around that so generally that takes you know somewhere in the 10 to 15 minutes and then we kind of like settle into like our normal daily routine mm-hmm. so at that point I'll like begin to look over um any inventory variances um i'll take a look at like the staffing for the day and kind of look at that against um where we're budgeted for payroll or maybe take a look at like how busy we were for the lunch beforehand and then that'll kind of frame out like what i have to work with in terms of like labor for the remainder of the day i mean you know, if it looks like it's going to be busier, you know, I certainly want to keep all my guys on. If it looks like we didn't have a very strong lunch, maybe I'll give someone the night off. And then um, depending on the day, like the general responsibilities will change. So what I'll start to do is I'll look at like the product levels around the restaurant, you know, supplies, prep, and, um, you know, begin to think about um, the orders that we might need to make for that evening. Um, you know, and then once I have a good rough working idea of that, uh, this generally happens by about like 3.30. I try to give myself like 20 minutes to make a lunch, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and that, you know, I think you kind of mentioned like, you know, the chef's table and, you know, the way that the, our restaurant is set up, like we don't necessarily have like a specific space, but I try to give myself 20 minutes to kind of eat and then think about the rest of the day. So. Early in the week, I might do some of the prep, you know, to kind of set my guys up for the evening, you know, maybe make some sides, you know, see what wasn't able to be prepped before and kind of get hands on with that, Um, you know, and generally um, I'll give some breaks to the guys who might have been working double shifts. And um, then I start to look around the restaurant and prepare the stations for the guys that are coming in for evening shift you know by guys I mean you know guys and ladies you have a you know pretty diverse set of hooks there so once that's all happened um I try to get a good five minutes or so to talk to the cooks you know see what's going on in you know their lives and you know what we might need to do to make their shift uh, a success and then um by this point in time it's generally about 5 30. So if there's anything specific that I need to communicate to the front of the house, we try to have like a little pre-meal. And sometimes it's in our private dining area where we can all congregate and other times it's just in the back of the house. We can pull the guys together and say, hey, these are our product levels. This is what we need to sell. These are ideas for features. You know, what do you think? And then we kind of go from there. Um, 
business kind of picks us, uh, or rather picks up for us around, uh, we have like a decent happy hour. So raw bar starts to pick up then. And um, then we kind of ease into the, the dinner rush. And that kind of goes from six to generally about 8.39 p.m. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, you know, like a general powwow, just so you can get your staff all together. Yeah. And these are for, like, for the listeners that don't really understand what we do in the kitchen and how we communicate um, some things that are out. We use this, this word that all the time and in most kitchens, that the 86 thing, right? Sure. Uh, we, we 86 uh, mahi for tonight, only just because one, we get shorted or we just ran out of, but that's a typical term that we use in the kitchen. Um, all together. But before we uh, go a little bit further, just really quick, uh, a word from our sponsors. Okay, so we're back now. Like I mentioned, um, there's kind of quite a few things that you guys are doing over there that are a lot more different than what I do, only because it's terms of it's it's all about business, right? So. Sure. Or for what we do, we are generally slower between three and five, like there's nothing happening. So right. I have a lot more leeway to what to do and how to communicate to my staff. But like, let's talk about uh, projects and mindsets to be a better you. So it doesn't necessarily be you. Uh, it can be one of your cooks or one of your employees or maybe um, even your one of your managers uh, under your staff. Um, tell me something about it. Okay. So... Um... I don't know if you've mentioned it on, you know, some of your previous pods, but like one thing that um, our company is really, really focused on is like lean thinking and efficiencies. And um, pretty much that just means like you're looking into like your processes and trying to find like um, ways to either save time or money, but maintain the same level of like quality and like customer service. So one thing that we do um to kind of highlight those things is like we use a series of different um boards um around uh the kitchen and in the back of the house and even in like the management office and um some of those things are again are, are focused on like maybe um uh current product levels current features um if there's um any significant changes in inventory or uh, significant changes to processes. We try to we we uh, try to put that information up in easily accessible and easy to uh, understand language up on the boards. Again, yeah. like when you're working in a kitchen environment, um, you have a pretty diverse set of um, uh, of people. So in that, and it might mean that you're gonna have people with all sorts of different levels of like education and uh and understanding so we always try to have like a strong visual component to any of the information that we're putting up so that you know even at like a glance you could kind of begin to understand the the new change or concept that's gonna be you know making the restaurant or or a particular process um better for everyone and again it could be as simple as well one one well specifically um how to reset up a station after a shift you know one thing that we did in our restaurant is we used a color-coded system for our utensils and um 
what was happening what we noticed was happening before is when we had just the you know the same amount of utensils uh they would get washed at the end of the night and then they would get placed um on one of the racks in our dish pit to you know to dry off but then there would be this mad rush in the mornings for the utensils to get back out to the stations and yeah. you know by using like a color-coded taping system yeah just you know electrical tape uh different colors we could then assign a particular color to a particular station and yeah. at first we used that system just to keep track of like what was actually being used at a particular station you know maybe uh on a saute line they had too many um three ounce ladles yeah. you know and on the pantry station they didn't have enough so Got by it. like taping them you know you start to see the like flow of like where those things were going and then after a while you can you can eliminate some or redistribute them and once we got a good understanding of that then what we started to do is you know utilize the taping system the color uh, taping system to direct those same utensils back to the stations at the end of the night so that in the morning there wasn't this mad rush like black friday for a whisk you know like now all those things are going right back to where they needed to go and you know that was saving uh, a lot of time um and you know and headaches you know um throughout the whole shift so again like hey if you had a knife that was dirty and you needed to have it like washed it could go to the dish pit it would get washed and then it would make it back to you as soon as possible or if it happened to be you know still drying out on a rack anyone can go by and go that's orange orange needs to go to pantry yeah you know? and you kind of you kind of go from there so that's one of the things that you know uh you know we, we started to do in our restaurant to try to improve the processes gotcha i mean simple little things can lead up to a bigger picture as as long as you're putting the effort into changing uh little by little and i I, I mentioned this to uh, to a couple of my associates also. We can't look at it uh, one to 100 in a day. You need sure. to look at it uh, one to 100 in like six months. Because okay. to to completely change a process and a habit, and I mentioned it all the time, it takes 21 times to break a habit. So if you think you've told the person or the employee enough times, you actually haven't until they they finally ingrained into their soul how to do that one process all together uh, entirely. So, you know, I get it. Lean thinking, that's what we're doing in the company. I dig it. Thank you for shedding some light into that, man. That's really... Yeah, no problem. And I think the key to, you know, finding efficiencies is understanding that, like, despite the fact that you might have a system that works it's still worth looking into like your systems to kind of find new and better ways and you know being open to suggestion from everyone you know um that's a part of those systems for input because like you know people are always trying to find efficiencies for themselves and sometimes the worst thing is that they keep though that that ingenuity to themselves so you got to value them and value what they understand about their environment and trickle it up and down and around and uh, generally that makes things better for everybody yeah no good all around i i dig it okay so one final topic uh let's do Give me like, give me like your favorite recipe and like a good spot to check out in your town, just in case, you know, they come over there and looking for suggestions. Um, you live pretty much in a city. I'm in New Jersey. 
uh, there's a whole lot more in terms of food uh, where you're located just because that's what New York is. Sure. Um, give me like a couple of suggestions, man. Mm, okay. All right. So here's my, uh, I'm going to just uh, shout out. I live in Brooklyn, um, you know, Brooklyn born and raised. And um, I'm going to shout out uh, two spots that I think people should come and check out. Um, if you're in Brooklyn and you're coming to visit, go to like the Barclays Center uh, for like a concert or a sporting event. Let's go Nets. Um, I would definitely check out uh, Western New York restaurant on Flatbush Avenue. It's called Sugar King. Um, it's... Um, yeah, it's a, maybe a four-block walk up from the Barclays Center. Um, the music's good. The food is good. It's fresh. And, um, you know, for a lot of people, I think that uh, West Indian food is uh, under undervalued. And uh, that's a great representation of, like, good, good food at a fair price in an easily accessible area. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, in the same neighborhood, but maybe six blocks in the opposite direction. So that was on Flatbush Avenue, and uh, the Barclays Center is on um, kind of where like Flatbush and Atlantic Avenue intersect. If yeah. you're going, uh, yeah, let's say like seven or eight blocks the opposite direction, um, down Atlantic Avenue going towards like the Brooklyn Promenade, I would uh, definitely check out a restaurant called uh, Beast and Bottles. Um, they offer a really 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 fresh uh take on um like a french american uh like fusion cuisine um the ambiance is pretty cool um i can definitely say uh that i've definitely shared some major life events um in that restaurant you know some some of which i won't get into on this podcast (laughs) we can save it for another one but um that is a go-to place again it's not it's it's not off the beaten path but it's a little bit further away from um the the centralized action of uh that like atlantic avenue or flatbush oh sorry <laughs> i live in new york so <laughs> sirens are a reality i was waiting for that to happen um hopefully everyone's all right sound like a police car heading off in the distance but um yeah, so yeah, Beast and Bottles, it's um, a few blocks away, but I think it's uh, worth uh, worth the walk or worth the trip into into Brooklyn, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Great fresh food, and I always look forward to an opportunity to go and uh, to sit and eat there. Cool. All right, man. Well, I'm going to link it down below. That way uh, people can check it out indefinitely. But if you should so don't mind, can you share it to everybody what your handle is? That way they can find you. If you still want to, if not, that's cool. Sure. So um, uh, you can find me at uh, MetroCardX on Twitter. <laughs> um, I don't post uh, too much there, but I guess that's like my vote, my uh, most visible uh, social media uh, presence. And um, if I get some new followers, I'll certainly uh, uh, post some uh, pictures of the the food that you know I've been making. I gotta make a better effort to to do that sure all right man ladies and gentlemen thank you so much that's chef sean ladies and gentlemen all right it's been a pleasure thanks for having me see that see that clap all right peace that's all folks later